Hello and welcome to When Will It End and bust out those flashlights because it's just dang pitch black in here. That's right. It's Josh and Charles back to watch a new series of movies and to ask the eternal question, is they good? This series, it's getting ridiculous in here. Look, I've heard of I've heard of antiheroes, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, wait, say that again. Say it again. I was I wasn't paying attention. Okay, One I've, more he- I've heard of uh, I've heard of antiheroes, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. You, this yeah, is ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Get your flashlight. It's pitch black in here. It's ridiculous. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, that's the episode. Tune in next week for ridiculous the chronic dude. what Coles? Yeah, more uh, more Rick, more ridiculous. Yes, we're starting off the Pitch Black series. These are the cult classic science fiction films starring the one and only Vincent. Vincent, am I getting this right? Vin. I'm gonna look it up. It's what is it? What's this? It's Vin. It's ridic- ridiculous. No, no, that's his name. Uh, hey, no. no. Whoa. Gesundheit. Thanks. Leave dude. that in. Don't you dare cut that out. Wait, watch this. We're talking about we're talking about lights. Yeah. Josh, look, I'm I'm on my phone. You gotta look at me for this one. Watch. I'm looking at it. Okay, watch this. Um Okay. This there. is good for the listeners. Okay, hold on. Coming into my Okay, he's holding his phone up. Fuck, what the fuck is this? Internal test so, imitation? No, thank you. His name is pronounced Mark Sinclair. Okay. But he's professionally known as Vin Diesel. Oh shit! Sorry, that was Charles. This sucks. This, no, what are you doing? We're doing an episode. No, cut this shit out. Oh, pitch black. You're baby. a fucking moron. Pitch no black. No one can see. Okay, I'm Charles recording in the dark. There's a very bright light directly it's, behind I, you. It's a ray of sunlight. Yeah. So good stuff. Good stuff. Yes, today on the show we are discussing uh, Pitch Black, a 2000 American science fiction action horror film. Uh, seriously, Wikipedia is working overtime yeah. on that one. Science fiction action horror. Gotta get as um, many links as possible. That's sort of like the the wiki way, really, to get as many blue links as they possibly can into an article. Yeah. So this movie's interesting. It's basically the the passion project of a bunch of writers. And look, oh boy, right writers. Ooh, I write stuff. What's that? Look at me. What's that? I'm being a writer. Well, um, the, the writers are the pretty director, cool. No, they're not. They're the dogs of the universe. The screenplay, screenplay, the screenplay is by two people: director David Twohey and Ken and Jim Wheat. Are they related to Sam Wheat of Ghost fame? I don't know. Yeah, um, this is a little behind the curtain for all you non-Patreon subscribers. But I recently was, you know, I've, I've started doing polling episodes from the Real Deal days, and I thought, well, it would be fun to do July. Well. Um, three years ago, we did a birthday bash where we where we compared the um, top grossing the films, the number one hit films of our respective birth yeah. years. And uh, I listened to the 1990 year t- episode today just to make sure it was uh, funny. And reliving our awakening to the word Sam Wheat is it was joyous to relive that experience. Right? Do you want to explain any? You, you, you're very bad at this. You continue to be bad at this. What are you talking about? You, Sam Wheat is a character in Ghost. Josh, it's the a only fucking way they would ever know that. Bit. This is a gag we no do one like knows every that. other episode. You say the word Sam Wheat. Our old podcast, we don't say it every episode. Okay, so uh, Ken and Jim Wheat wrote uh, so many beloved sequels uh, for, or classic franchise pieces. Ewoks, Colin the Battle for Endor. Good one. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Best. The Fly 2. Good. The Birds 2. Wow. It Came from Outer Space 2. <laughs> The Stepford Husbands. Wait, what? 
That can't be real. That last one. No, it is. It is real. They worked on every dog shit sequel, uh, basically produced for much of the eighties and nineties. And, and Twohe first movie Critters two, <laughs> and then he kind of got into some actually some pretty uh, comparatively big ticket stuff. He wrote The Fugitive. He wrote Terminal Velocity. Yeah. He wrote Waterworld. GI Jane. Yeah, I saw he was attached to a lot of big big movies from that era. Um, yeah, and then in, in 2000, we kick off the Pitch Black series. And famously, this was, uh, you know, believe it or not, Charles, kind of a cheap movie. 23 mil, ends up making over 50 million, and sort of gets enough juice in the tank to become a franchise. And we thought to our little selves, what would it be like to do the franchise? We did? Yeah, that's part of the brainstorming for the show. Yeah, like, oh, fuck, what are we, we going to do next? Um, you, came up, you came into this episode calling writers dog people. Calling them, yeah, because they're full of you know they're like oh I wrote the whole thing and it's like well that's not a movie that's a stack of papers baby. Well, I want to I want to say that I would I I've never seen this movie I don't know anything about this movie I had no idea what was happening, and the you know the Star Wars sorry to bring it up I'm just gonna zoom right by Star Wars and just say it it pulls from Star Wars because it starts off with a little bit of spaceship flying by a camera. And that that takes up the first three paragraphs of Roger Ebert's review of this movie. Oh, I was I hoped I hoped you brought that up. We'll, we'll get oh, into of course. That. But um, it once you get into the ship, you have this beautiful Vin Diesel voiceover with some writing, capital W writing, and I like if there's a way to get me to want to watch the rest of this movie, it was that. I have it here in front of me, and I'm going to read it to you and the audience. Uh, Charles, take it away. All right, get my this Vin Diesel. Uh, they say most of your brain shuts down and cry asleep. Oh, but mm, hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, reset, okay. reset. They say it's, he's. Uh, you sound more like taxi driver, and it needs to be a little okay, bit more. Yeah. You know, he's actually yeah, cold badass. You okay. know, they say they say most of your brain shuts down and cry asleep. All but the primitive side, the animals. You just do a guy from the Bronx generally when you're trying to do Vin Diesel. Huh? What do, I, how, do you want to try it? There's sort of a there's sort of a street smart oh, element that's to really it. Good. You got to bob your there's, head. There's there's an Arab guy. I okay. bet he's going to New Mecca. Yeah, that there's was a woman. She's probably a pilot. He said, "I smell okay. a woman." That's like <laughs> yeah, and and uh, uh, Riddick smelling. Okay, no feminine related sh- things. Sh- comes I'm up bleeping later, that so. out. Well, that's going to be a surprise. No, no, for no, the no. Middle Don't part bleep of this it episode because that it's was not a surprise. <laughs> this movie came out 21 years ago. It's been on, it's on cable right now. I saw. The, I've I've never seen the whole movie in one consecutive order before, but this was a classic like USA Network staple that was just like perennially on television in my childhood. Uh, they they say mo- they say most of your brain shuts down and cry asleep. All but the primitive side, the animal side. No wonder I'm still awake. <laughs> and if that doesn't want to make you watch the next hour and 50 minutes of this movie, I don't know. Like that that just got me right in and I enjoyed the ride. I, I was all in. Chips in. You know, I think this actually illuminates why I was pretty underwhelmed by this at the end of the day. Um, I didn't really enjoy Pitch Black very much because the interiority displayed at the beginning of the movie in that, you know, like, look, normally you hear, oh, it opens the voiceover and you're like, well, this can't be good. Normally that screams that a studio thought that the movie was unintelligible and they had to put in some exposition just to, to clarify things. And this, you're right, transcends that. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. The problem is that that's really basically all we see of Riddick. 
in this movie where we're really trying to be sold on him just being an ice cold badass in relatively superficial ways following that. And I think the lack of access to him and really many of the other characters, with the exception of maybe Fry, who I feel like has sort of an arc, um, generally I found this to be a lot more shallow than I wish it was. Because you're right, that opening where you're like, oh, Riddick, look at this guy, freaking animal sniffing at night. I really, I, I mean, I don't think this is a great movie. And I think for me, a lot of my disconnection to it was from the action because well I'm, we're going to talk about that later but i actually felt the main trio uh carolyn fry played by rada mitchell william j johns by cole hauser and vin diesel's richard b riddick which is a pretty bad name to be honest richard b that's the best they had richard b yeah Can't even richard say it. isn't a cool even for an anti-hero richard is not really a a cool name and I'm sorry to all the Richards and Dicks listening. No offense. I'm just like, you know. It's true. That's not like my fantasy hero name. So Yeah. Um so those I thought I thought it was sort of underplayed how I mean maybe it was overplayed in some ways. But like basically you had the captain whose opening scene is she almost if the technology had been behind her dumped all the passengers on her ship. And that's sort of like what carries her throughout the movie is trying to ungrapple that in, initial cowardice response as she then learns to sacrifice herself at the end of the movie to save the few remaining survivors. You have William Johns, who's this supposed cop, tough guy cop. Turns out he's a, he's just a fucking merc with a morphine addiction who is more scared of life than he actually lets on. And then you have our, our hero, Vin Diesel, who you think is just a cold-blooded murderer. By the end of the movie, he tells the boy-turned-girl, which... Still a crazy part of this movie, but he tells her, like, he's dead. Riddick died down there, and this is the new Riddick. So I thought three, all three characters had very strong emotional well, arcs. I mean, I all... did specifically highlight Fry, because I agree with you. Hi, Fry has the most uh, tangible emotional development in the movie. I didn't really buy Riddick having some kind of transformation, because when Fry's like, we got to go back, he's basically like, you fucking crazy, okay. And I was like, oh, right. okay. Like he saw it as like a like a, a compelling challenge or something. Like I didn't – that to me does not count as a turning point in a character's emotional that arc. Wasn't and the I turning feel like point. we're – The turning point was at the very end when she dies for him and he says, don't die for me. But it's too late. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean that's not enough for me. Like we don't really see – him. like he says a couple things that are sort of weighty. But I, I wasn't really – you know, mm. even in that moment, there was like something he reacts to or does in response to that. So, like, if we're taking Riddick at face value, and there's basically very little about his character that would lead us to believe, you know, the the whole fact that he is a dark, twisted antihero, I don't know. I, I guess you know, maybe they're setting something up. I didn't really catch the switchback on this. I'm one. not gonna. I'm not gonna say your experience was undeserved because it was yours, and you can have it. But I would say the scene about God was for me the crucial moments where he talks about being strangled at birth and being locked in a slam or whatever they call it in the future that's a prison yeah slams prison um st- jab or, or stick is is a injection of morphine what, what were some other good ones there's a they use it they say what's the knife one shiv they use shivs a lot in this future i i don't th- shiv is a word uh, no yeah it's not a pitch black specific uh lexicon but they use thing. it a lot they like really you know, most people don't say. I say I would say maybe forty percent of the population of the earth never says the word "shiv" in their entire life, and this screenplay had it 
all over the place. Shiv's everywhere. But anyway, I was just going to say that the scene where he's talking to, oh, what's his name? The guy who's in... The great Keith David. Yeah, he fucking rules. Um, Where he's like, you're an atheist. I know you're an atheist, but you have to believe in God. And he's like, baby, I was strangled at birth and in prison for most of my life. I believe in God. And he fucking sucks. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I thought that was just enough direct talking to me to say, oh, this person isn't necessarily just a cold-blooded murderer. He's been treated like shit his entire life. And I did understand his... Like, he's never had anyone sacrifice themselves for him or even attempt to sacrifice themselves for him. So that moment for him was really big. And it got him out into the, the shipping lanes to be rescued. A big moment for Riddick. For Chronicles of Riddick, number, the number two. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's... it's uh, you know, Obviously, life is a subjective experience. I, I didn't... At the end of the day, I thought Riddick was too much of a I am a cool guy placeholder and, you know, having there's just very little originality to this movie, like being an antihero with a tough background who's jaded is not exactly groundbreaking. And the beauty of Dom Toretto, I think, you know, the the, uh, the obvious corollary in any conversation of Vin Diesel is that I think we really have a sense of his philosophy and ethos over time. And it's tested in very specific ways by the franchise. And I didn't walk away with enough about Riddick that makes him a distinct cool guy to root for than in in other attempts to create anti-heroes. So what do you so yeah, I don't know. what do you think the difference is for you between a Snake Plissken and a Riddick and a Richard B Riddick? Well, I mean one is uh the the simple reality that Kurt Russell right. is is the archetypal anti-hero. Like you know that's like the rudiments of the form emerge from that because this movie draws liberally from the thing it draws from alien it draws from aliens it draws from escape from new york i mean you have this grab bag impact and you know for me the crux of it comes down to what i'm sure you're you're leading us towards is that this is a cgi driven 2000 movie yeah there aren't any monsters in the room with anybody at any point in this movie yeah maybe some like piecemeal work for some of the shots were like behind the alien carapace or whatever but we're left with really unmemorable alien bad guys who have no motivation i found that the introduction of various time crunches and challenges were neither memorable nor particularly compelling like okay it's oh my god three suns it's gonna be light up forever nope now it's dark. And I will say the coolest part of the movie came from prop work because when she does the math to figure out it's been 22 years since the ore mining colony was devastated by aliens, she goes back to the cool model and hits the little clicker. And I was like, this is great. Like yeah. when she's sitting in a room interacting with a, an actual prop, I really got something out of it. And, you know, you know, when you the thing about alien and the thing is that, you know, Stan Winston, Rob Bottin, you know, th- those geniuses prop work make those movies there is something really fucked up in the room with these people. It's really upsetting. Yeah. It's actually right there. Even if it, you know we're watching something that's you know incredibly carefully animated or puppeted, there is that actual presence. And this movie, I would argue, one, the generic desert setting does not really lend itself to memorability. And two, the aliens at the end of the day look like StarCraft characters. And I don't know. That, that doesn't really add up to a terribly memorable movie for me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I really, I just was, I got into the characters and I thought it was also the cinematography was awesome. Just like the way they cut the whole opening scene is 
so many cool levers. Like they, however badly they fucked up the aliens in this movie, they got levers right, and like dials and everything inside the ship. The technology of it was really cool. And but, I, but I've seen better versions of that. Like you're right. I've, all, the fun of these movies are when people are like interacting with clicky clacky cool technology. But yeah. again, Alien, Rogue One. I don't know. There's I a disagree. million movies I where think... I feel like there's like cooler arrays, cooler buttons, and this felt like a lot of twisting of like timer knobs. And I was like, that doesn't. That's like you know, that's not a. I don't think that's in the realm of cool fetishy click clacky stuff. Like. Turning egg timers constantly kind of, kind of was like this is a little wacky. I guess again, it's, it's the subjective disagreement. I found those levers not the not necessarily the egg timers; those were fine. I didn't think they were that bad, but the actual levers that she pulled down from the ceiling and all that—the whole scene is like twenty of them just getting pushed and pulled. And I was in, uh, I was in fucking hog heaven. I was like well, a again, little piggy. And that gets to the parts that work about this movie, like when there's that sense of materiality and we're learning about the ship or something that feels like constructive world building, but then the ship is lost and we're in a new place. And I'm saying the cumulative impact of that world building to me, if I had to tell you about the world, like in the world of alien, we're like, okay, these are working class people on a corporate mining vessel. And there's this B plot of Ash being undercover there, X, Y, and Z, or in the thing where it's like, you know, Oh, you know, we really get a sense of this one environment and what is at stake. And, and I, this comparatively felt more like black box theatery sort of stuff where I'm like, I don't really know anything about the character of this world. Okay, there's Mercs, but who do the Mercs work for? He's a prisoner, a prisoner of whom? Where? You know, we have a sense of like Fry having this, you know, complicated relationship with the passengers on this commercial vessel, but we don't know who she's working for. Or, you know, so to me, it's like, if you're going to play with these classic tropes, you know, give me – you have to have that secret sauce that makes it distinct. And at the end of the day, I just left being like, I don't really know anything about this world. Yeah, but I, I don't – I mean, yeah, that's fine. I don't think it needs to happen. Like, what do you know about the alien world? And honestly, once once Scott started, like, really fleshing out the, like, CEO and all that shit that you're talking about was when it started losing the magic. Like, we don't know anything about – who they're shipping bullshit around to in, in the first well, alien. Well, hold on. The, 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 the best... Well, the, the point of, the, of Alien is that there's this, like, you know, it's a commentary on, like, you know, this faceless corporation and its nefarious goals. There's, like, at least a thematic something. We don't need too much. We just need to know that there's this, like, lurking corporate presence behind what's happening because it's been triggered by, you know, greed. So that's, like, that's like a compelling story point that makes the horror the, – the, the fact that the presence of the alien is so unnecessary and that it's being foisted upon these working people by a corporation, that is a theme. Sort of stumbling over aliens who happen to live somewhere and happen to be voracious people eaters, there is, there is no theme there. That's yeah, well, just, but the, the theme is the other the, – like that is not a theme. That is just a moment to allow the three characters – that I guess you didn't really... I think this is really just comes down to you didn't connect with the characters. And I, well, I did. I, I liked Fry. Well, the thing is, I found this movie, like, it brings up, for example, f- futuristic Muslim faith. And we have Keith David as this guy leading young people on a hajj to the new Mecca. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. But we don't really learn that much about why it's happening or their personal lives. But do you need to? Like, get, why would you want to? Like, isn't that enough? Because that's how you invest in characters. No, just knowing that they're going somewhere. I'm like, I want to know, like... Why hold for, for this movie is like an hour and fifty three minutes long, which I found to be too long. We've watched a lot of tight ninety movies, and this one I felt like had a lot of 
sort of empty space where things with the rattliness of the overall structure felt more apparent. And I, I want to know just enough about people to, ha- to to have some kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess this because there's no overarching theme other than survival. I'm left with like, well, I guess they survived or some of them did. There isn't like a, you know, an alien or the thing. We're left with questions. And in this one, that's not really the case. I don't, I I don't want more than what I had in this one. I wouldn't mind more maybe in the next one, but like the fact that you have an archaeologist salesman who's just like loves getting drunk all the time on the ship. You have you have the Muslim. But did, did that did that really go anywhere? They sort of drink, no, but it doesn't really. But again, like it's it's just texture. You have someone like why are these people taking this trip? Some of them, one of them's a prisoner. One of them is trying to sell like apparently Earth goods to other planets. Like I don't know. I thought there was a lot that was unique about this that didn't need more explanation any more explanation i would have been like well that doesn't really make any sense anymore but just the fact that you have this group of people all coming together and they all have their own stories i don't need more but we don't really know very much about those stories like i just found it all a bit flavorless because again this basic structure we is endlessly replicated in books and movies and tv shows and uh, again it just sort of like i wish that there was some kind of hook or some kind of like you know, even finding a survivor or something to link to the... Or they like just did. Sort of they some blasted other him. Thing. They've shot him in the head. No, 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 no. No, from the ore colony, not not the guy from the crash. Okay. Saying, there has to be Wait, some wasn't other... he? No, he was another person who survived the crash. Oh. Because um, he says, oh, I thought no one else survived. Ha ha, I'll live forever. And then gets murked. Um, Damn. I like that scene. So I thought he was saying no one yeah. else survived the, the nightfall attack, but... Oh, okay. Well, that was 22 years ago, so I think yeah. it would be weird if he was like, oh, my he God. Looked, he looked terrible. Well, he survived a crash. So yeah. That's, I think that's why. Well, um, got... Yeah, so I don't know. I, 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 I liked all the bits where they're interacting with stuff. I, I like all the bits where we're like, when they discover like the dusty toys in the desert and he finds the glasses. Like, there's that mystery solving element or, or texture that that worked for me. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, at the end of the day, it was like, this could have been half an hour shorter and maybe it would have been better because it would have felt less vacant in the parts that that rattled around. And so here's that's where I totally agree with you. I just I just agree with you for different reasons because for me, what really bogs this shit down, and I guess we agree on this too, is the first forty minutes before the darkness comes is like a thousand jump scares of people thinking it's Riddick popping out, but it happens to be someone else. Like that happens like six times, and then. So that sucked. And then once we get to the night, it's like the the fucking special effects were not there to make like he, like this is a world now inhabited by a frenzied group of monsters that are out for blood. And the fact that they can just like literally stand in the middle of a desert with a flashlight and they're okay, just it's it, like that was really boring. And that whole finale was really bad. Oh, yeah. Well, to go back to the multi-hyphenate thing, they called us you know, on Wikipedia a science fiction action horror movie, which is, one, not scary, and two, the action sucks. So that that's tough. Yeah. That's your, you know, it two is. crucial elements of this movie that don't work. Um, and, yeah, you're right. Like when it's like, oh, you know, you think about something like Silent Hill or whatever, where the premise of darkness is is this incredible narrative function that ad, that adds this you know environment and this, the, the gameplay like that's like brilliant. And this it feels like it has this exciting idea that doesn't really quite make it into like oh they found a brilliant way to use it because you know darkness in general I love that shit. Yeah, this is actually I, I wrote a screenplay and well I wrote an uh, what was it called when you write like a page version of your entire screenplay because you're too lazy to write the whole thing. 
uh, never done it. I don't know. What's it called? A treatment? Is that what that's called? Is that a treat? Is that what a treatment is? Sounds good to me. Anyway, I wrote an idea about darkness where when you are in darkness, you become violent. And there was this whole scene where like they make armor out of light, and it was it sounded like, and I was like, oh shit, they just they already did this. It's but it, they did it really badly, so I feel like I could still make this movie and it would be okay because the the light armor scene is like for four minutes before they just the fucking dumbass crawls into the desert and breaks it. But yeah, darkness is inherently scary, and the fact that this movie makes it blasé is like it. It is a huge letdown, and I would love to to get a remake. I'd love to get a new sequel. Like I think we are ready in 2021, 2025, somewhere in there, to actually make a scary movie that takes place in the dark with mar- dark monsters in the dark that would actually be very good. Well, the, I mean, the scariest parts of Hereditary to me, a movie I don't love, are a brilliant use of darkness, I think. Like the, the ghost hovering and just barely visible in yeah. the shadows, I think is incredible. And the iconic Tony Collette floating around the ceiling shit. I mean, so I don't know. I think there's still people doing it. But, like, you think about space in these movies, and the second they're, like, out in the desert, yeah, I right. think what we're supposed to be like, oh, they, they're vulnerable. And I'm like, okay, but, like, we can all agree that the general premise of vulnerability or exposure is just not visually compelling unless you're Hitchcock North by Northwest, which is, like, the, the single best usage of that concept. Um, we want corners. We want pipes we want enclosure that right that that's easy to sell when it's just people wandering around the dark it's just very difficult to make that compelling dude i was super pumped because i was worried like once i learned that it was going to get dark i was like oh this is gonna be very hard to shoot and this might suck but and then they go into the ship and it's like very dark all you see are flashlights i was like oh this could actually work because they're in a confined space you can believably you know, have it shot in a way that you can see what's happening, but not have it seem like there's just like a stage light happening all the time. And that happens for five minutes. And then suddenly they're outside for the rest of the movie. And it's just, it's so, it was very boring because on the one hand, like I was thinking, I got so bored. I was like, all right, I'm one of these weirdo aliens. And it seems like light hurts, but doesn't kill you right away. It's not like a vampire in the sun, or I guess that's even got different versions of it in different stories but i think i would get slightly hurt by a tiny flashlight to rip somebody's head off if i were one of these monsters well th- that's sort of what i was talking about earlier yeah where like th- in the thing what the, th- the thing that the alien does is horrifying it creates doppelgangers that look like us an alien it infests you it infects you and it bursts out of you and, and casts you aside and these guys are like good at flying in the dark and have claws <laughs> yeah. like it's kind of like you know you hated you hated the quiet place right and like yeah honestly this reminded me of that where i'm like the the alien the bad thing is so generic and uninteresting narratively that it's like oh no better shine a flashlight at it and it's like well this sucks well you, but like, you know you hated the end of the quiet place and this is sort of a similarly oh wow no one thought of feedback until you know year seven of this or something and right but and now it's I, like oh shine your flashlight at it you know it's like i don't know but you know what you know what the quiet place doesn't have it doesn't have a scene of uh riddick like shaking his arms and like jump cutting back to the desert where somebody else is doing this. it doesn't have a shaving scene where where john krasinski's head is covered in some unknown goop where he's shaving it his looks head. like it looked like vegemite or yeah. like herbal essences like hardened herbal essences from the 90s like it looked like really weird gunk and i was 
That was, but see, again, I keep going back to this. Whenever right. anyone is tangibly doing something, it's a fun movie. What, but like, it doesn't congeal altogether into a cult classic for me because I need there to be that other that X factor in the villain, and there isn't one. And I honestly, the cinematography drove me crazy because there's some shots that are really great. And but I hate all the shots that are like the oversaturated oranges or all the oversaturated blues. I thought that's really lazy, really dated filmmaking that like well, I mean, didn't old. age well. Yeah, I know, and that's bad. But we watched Panic Room, which came out like a year or two later, and well, that shit looked, you know, yeah. I that that's doing a whole thing too, but it, it still looks nice. I initially agreed with you. I was like, why this just looks overexposed? It doesn't look very good. But then as soon as the eclipse starts happening, and you actually see like people look like people look. I was like, oh, this actually was a weirdly antagonistic way to make me believe in a new space. I think, yeah, it could have been done better, but I'm going to... So, Pitch Black sort of comes out of this school of uh, movies in the late 90s, and this sort of feels like, you know, a pace with... This is just after The Matrix and shit. So, I mean, do you see this fitting into a pantheon of, like, 90s sci-fi filmmaking? Or where do you sort of see this living? Because, you know, coming out in 2000, it exists in sort of a weird hinterland before a new generation of films, you know, just around the corner and, uh, you know, a pretty prolific era for American science fiction. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. I, I definitely feel like it's more buried in the past. I don't know that it really could anticipate what was coming. I'm not sure when Tremors comes out, but to me it feels very much like a Tremors vibe. Um, and, but it also more feels like as all the shit we've talked about already, just like eighties horror movies that it really didn't do as good a job of as replicating. Um, but yeah, no, well, I, well, I, Tremors comes out in 90. That's, that's one Tremors is a 90, is a 96 minute masterpiece. And it came out a decade <laughs> ago. I, I just think that this could have had a lot of fat trimmed out of it and you could have gotten to something more like a Tremors. Yeah. So that's what I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely don't think this has anything. It has no idea what's coming up. It is so rooted in, you know, these people thinking they're doing like a service to what's, what they're playing, like movies they love. Like you could, this obviously is alien. This obviously is the thing. Like these are no question. These are movies that Tolly and and Wheat love. Well, let, let me put it to you like this: I think that there's a much better movie from this general era that captures this kind of genre meld that it's going for, perhaps awkwardly, and that's Event Horizon, which does take yeah all of these similar pieces and is a science fiction horror movie and works effortlessly. You know, that's a movie that takes Hellraiser and Aliens and and you know the the whole. That whatever that cross-pollinated genre is trying to do, and that hits it out of the park, and it's all about the characters, and it goes so about their personal experiences, and and you know they're literally reincarnated around them. So I think, like comparatively speaking, I think of like that as a much more successful version of Pitch Black. Yeah, I, I definitely thought that would be a good. I mean, apparently not a, a great double feature because one of them was Pitch Black. But I de- like if you followed this up with Event Horizon, I think that would be a lovely pairing. They're both. Ultimately, I think not good. I'm not a huge fan of Event Horizon. I'm a huge fan of the best parts of Event Horizon. I think what Event Horizon nails is unlike anything else, especially in that era, and captures feelings that I don't get from other movies. And unfortunately, it was made in a time period where there was also a bunch of extra shit thrown in that I think really makes it like in a similar way to Pitch Black, just like, like, you know, right down the middle of the road with some amazing highs and some really shitty lows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And this doesn't ever get to those same highs. Like, there's no 
What's well, his okay, name? The, the, the beauty of Alien, uh, just to go for the millionth time, to go the beauty of Alien, the thing, and again, another one of its progeny of, of that of that era, you know, Event Horizon, finding the horrifying or alien thing inside us is what makes all of those narratives interesting, L- like literally and metaphorically and existentially. I don't feel like anything in Pitch Black, even the idea of fear of the dark, weirdly, is kind of unexplored in this, I feel like. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's like... In Panic Room, which we watched for the bonus series, like, you know, agoraphobia is part of what makes that really, you know, again, Fincher was like reading books on people being buried alive in for Panic Room. And in this movie, there isn't that, we don't, for, of all the obvious things to play with, they don't play with that. So I just, there's, there's so many missed opportunities in this. I don't see the point in sort of like, you know, a participation trophy, so to speak, because I, I, even Riddick doesn't quite get to the anti-hero levels that I'd like. So I see too little across the board makes this a when will it end for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, I think what this movie needed was to not be a horror movie and not be an action movie, because if this had just been like, you know, a straight drama, like a, a survival drama, set in in this weird planet i was compelled by the three main characters and even the the some of the side characters i i was into it i love their little triangle of like when riddick and johns go off ahead of the pack and they're like conniving to you know cut up one of them as uses bait but it turns out riddick's playing johns it's like and then you have carolyn in the very back like why are they fucking up doing up there like i don't know i just felt that connection between the three characters each of them has something on somebody else like the scene where Riddick is behind Carolyn in the cockpit and he's just like talking to her. I like that was creepy and that was weird. And there are moments where I felt uncomfortable. It just had nothing to do with the aliens. It had nothing to do with the darkness. Yeah. And that's like what they invested so much time into was that but, shit but that didn't work. let's talk about Johns. Uh, Johns, I feel like, was one of the, maybe the biggest disappointment of all. Because like his big twist is he's not a cop. He's a bounty hunter. And it's no, like, the big twist right. is that he's a coward. And a loser. Well, I mean, but, well, but but he's kind of a badass to to Riddick earlier in the movie, and I like their back and forth earlier in the movie. And he does heroin or morphine shooting into his eye, which should be cooler than it is. And yeah, I don't know. Just like he's a shitty guy who sucks. It's not like, oh wow, what a you know, this is you know an unforgettable bad guy. You know, I just, I it's like, well, that's the thing, he he's just not sucks. a bad guy though. He's not. No one's a bad guy. That's how maybe why I like this movie. He is that clearly is the bad guy. He is a thousand percent coded as the bad guy because he's antagonistic towards uh, Fry and uh, and Riddick. So I'm saying, I I think he is one of the more lazily developed characters because there isn't like something about him that makes him. We're not looking for him to do something surprising. He just sucks. You know. Yeah, and maybe that's just because I like characters that suck. I think that's a interesting trait. But I I think he's coded as a bad guy. But I think that's sort of the, the whole point is that. At the end, like when she has that really good line where she's like, how much do you weigh? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, how much do you weigh? He's like, I don't know, 79 kilos. You're 79 kilos of white. I forgot what she says, but it's just like a really good White setup. boy summer. Yeah, it was really good. And then the fact that he like tries to spin it on her later in the movie, but it doesn't work. I don't know. I thought there were lots of small little details that made his loserdom compelling rather than just like, oh, he actually is not a strong bad guy. He's a weak bad guy. I was like, Oh, he's not actually a bad guy. He's just a coward like everyone else and just trying to survive. It's not enough. There's be- there's so many good villains and so many good losers and bad guys out there. You know, they're, they're, I, I'm not going to tell anyone about something that Cole Hauser did in this movie or like, you know, I don't know. If he's going to be like, I, I think that's like, in a way, ironically, like the cowardly way to go. Like, just like, oh, he just sucks. And it's like, 
Well, that's not very – again, it's just like the narratives to me don't translate. Maybe there's veracity in some of the interactions you're talking about, and I hear that. But like, you know, give me someone with something really at stake here, you know, other than like, oh, Riddick's annoying. He does seem annoying. It sucks to have a coworker like Riddick. Yeah, he does seem like he's uh... – I don't, but, but that's yeah. He's he's like Riddick is a problem for me. I think he's the worst of the three, and that's why like the fact that he's the only survivor is also sort of a letdown for the movie. Is that he's only built up by the other characters, so we don't really even get a sense enough of what change I have to overcome because I've never really met him to begin with. But I I think there's something there, and that's why I'm not asking on Willowdown because I'm I'm excited to see what this world has to offer and where Riddick, especially all I can go off is the posters and he seems to just become like a God or something. Well, I think that's every Vin Diesel character, but like, oh, you, know, you know what? You're right. That's what happened in the fast and the furious too, where he goes from stealing DVDs with a harpoon gun to controlling Cuba and being yes, their, their an, an immortal secret super spy. Um, well, you know, I just felt like this movie was a lot of him taking on and off the goggles. And honestly, the goggles thing, like, when you think about pitching a character, they're like, he's a super badass prisoner guy. He's got night eyes. And it's like, that's just kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, they're, I just like, I don't know. It's it just like, I feel like Riddick is just sort of like a, a parenthetical, like insert badass guy here. And like, even the eyes thing, it's convenient when it's convenient. It doesn't come up when it doesn't come up. Like the consistency oh, yeah, of that device is yeah, completely yeah, yeah. like, you know, so I don't know. This movie just feels like a bunch of shortcuts and parentheticals. And that's, and that's frustrating. When you make, uh, especially when, you know, you have the special effects to match your writing talent. Like if he has to take off his goggles every time he looks into direct light and or put them like he doesn't do it's not perfect and then you do end up spending some of the movie being like wait shouldn't he be shouldn't he be taking his goggles off right now or why does he have his goggles on it's just yeah it's a it's an unfortunate side effect of them trying to make that cooler than it is and honestly you don't even need it because he doesn't do anything with his eyes you know like there's really nothing that i was conveyed that he was even needed to see through the darkness because basically there was never any threat there was there was not like it didn't matter if they could see ahead because their whole plan just was them walking through the darkness. So who gives a shit? Well, and then him having the night eyes just gives us more shitty CGI effects. So I'm like, it just the total dead end. Can you imagine how that would look today? Like after like Annihilation and like Doctor Strange, just like we're sort of in this fake trippy, but still as trippy as Hollywood's ever going to get. Big budget action horror sci fi movies like fucking Riddick eye vision might look cool in 2020 well th- there is a fourth one coming out relatively yeah, soon I saw, so. well they haven't started shooting yet there i think he just teased that it was probably going to happen yeah so it's probably a couple years out also the, the line is 79 kilos of gutless white meat dang which is a nice 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 fr- nice hey i can see why her name's carolyn fry she fried him because she's, si- she's sizzling up on the, on the pan Sizzle, sizzle. See, in my mind, this sort of had the vibe of like a, an unsuccessful cube where it is scrappy and it is sort of odds and ends. And, and you kind of I'm sort of rooting for it to come together. But cube simply on the basis of the originality of the conceit can coast over some of these similar stumbling blocks that B movies have. And this just feels like a died in the wall B movie. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 
I, I, I agree that it's uh, it's not a great movie, and I really just was compelled by each of these guys to um, see what happens. I think we are left with the least interesting characters, so hopefully just none of them. Like, we really haven't talked about it yet. We mentioned it briefly a couple of times in the beginning, but like, the, there's a big moment in this movie where a boy turns out to be a girl, and it doesn't. It's not explained why the bo- the girl has decided to pretend to be a boy. Well, she says that she thought she would be safer pretending to be a boy. Right, but like safer, which is fair. Fair enough, I guess. I mean, I you know, uh, I imagine that uh, gendered violence is similar, so, uh, even yeah. in this dystopian future. I guess that's right. I was I was confusing. Um, was it Jack? Her character as like one of the people on the the trip with the imam but i guess she was just a runaway there was a good line from the drunk who was like did you run away from your parents or did your parents run away from you nice nice burn from that guy too. yeah that, of, that captures the the writing of this movie um it, it, i think the drinking thing could have really gone somewhere yeah that was yeah absolutely. there's like it's it's badass that they're drinking out of freaking jim beam bottles i'm like but then okay, no one I'm gets not drunk. like 12 yeah yeah what the fuck um but anyway i was gonna say uh riddick smells the period blood and it's like we actually have a girl she's a girl it's like wait what that's why is this why is this even in the movie like who, why who well, no, because that... it's another failed attempt to raise the stakes because he's like i can smell the period blood and so can the freaking night monsters who are attuned to period blood and it's like well maybe that'll come up later doesn't really doesn't they're already going to bother. I don't know. It's like I'm just saying we're just acknowledging how little of the many swings connect in this movie. Yeah. It's, like why? It's did, a bummer. Like, couldn't they just have had that character get cut secretly? It's like that would have been maybe more interesting to have someone that was like or if they wanted to really go into this like girl pretending to be a boy, but on having her period like there could have been a scene where she was frantically trying to cover up that she was bleeding and having these monsters come at them. They're like, why is the monsters coming? Right, no right. one's so a girl that, that, on their so, period. So here's what I'm saying. Okay, so uh, Johns is a morphine addict. Does it pay off? No, in no way. Doesn't really have any impact. They drink all the the liquor. Does that come up? No, in no way. She has her period. Does it come up? No, in no way. Is it important that she's a woman? Other than that, no, in no way. Other than she's suddenly more like they, they feminize her right. in a way that's like really sexist and shitty. Or she, now she requires like you know now she's weak and now she requires protection and like loses that gumption basically i mean i don't know it's just so many doors that go to nowhere in this movie yeah and then like maybe it's like oh they find maybe there's like you know a secret thing on the planet that'll end the scourge of the evil aliens or something but no they just kind of leave and you know i just i i i don't give a shit i don't give a shit about any of these people and again they kill fry and and she had the most interesting arc yeah and then they sacrifice her so Damn. it's uh, you walk away with very little in pocket from this movie. That's true. It's it's a it's a lot of upfront cost with a huge loss. But um, I got enough sentimental knickknacks along the way to to keep me happy until the next one. So um, a, a few uh, interesting things from the trivia zone. Uh, first off, Vin Diesel actually did the shoulder dislocation thing. Yeah. So does he? Can he dislocate? Like, is he double jointed, or is that just? Yeah. I mean, he's famously like a break dancer and shit, and uh, and he's had a very weird, fascinating life doing all kinds of stuff. And we'll talk plenty of Diesel another time. But that yes, arm that's one of his did. many skills. That must have been fake. The second one where he like breaks his arm during the fight and then he pops oh, it back in. I don't think he broke his arm. Okay. But the, good. The, uh, the the dis- the getting out of the handcuffs thing, which again a, a broken record here. When it's someone actually doing something, it's cool. And then, like, unfortunately, there's lots of, oh, no, it's we're, it's coming out of the shadows, and it sucks. 
Um, like honestly, a haunted hayride is more intense, and obviously that's in real life. But like, this has the effect of a haunted hayride, but nothing actually ever comes into view. And we're not, I'm not even knocking the CGI, which is very bad. Most of this movie doesn't even employ CGI. It has four actors standing on a soundstage with lights on them, going, "Oh my god, maybe there's something over there." It's like what? Yeah, that sucks. That's not interesting. Cut that whole scene out of the movie. Yeah. I have just the fact that this became a franchise is so fascinating to me because like it just doesn't it, it's really more about Vin Diesel the actor than I think anything in these movies. Um, I will say this is sort of uh, a, a great, one of the best product tie-ins in human history. LensQuest made the fucking contact lenses available to the public. Call, they called it shine jobs, like in the movie. So I will say that is one of the coolest tie-ins I've ever heard of. How many people um, do you think uh, got shine jobs in two thousand? Well, that is immediately followed by this next piece of trivia, which is that the original contacts he used were a prototype, and they like fused to his eyes, and they had to go to an op- no. they had to fly in an optometrist. They're shooting this in like the freezing cold Australian outbacks. They had to fly in an optometrist to get the contacts off of his eyes. That must so, have been so scary, or scarier than anything that happened in this movie. To like maybe well, think that's that you- why we, we often talk about how ridiculous being an actor is, and like yes, like fucking prototype contact lenses fusing to your actual retinas is like a real concern okay so here's another piece of trivia riddick was a woman in an early rough draft of the script and just that by itself would have made this movie like a a, a multiplier more interesting huh why do you why do you think that i'm not sure i really see the i think in the year 2000 another badass dude anti-hero very much in the snake plissken mold at the very least give us like there's not you know part of what i think the cruella thing is is that Look, I, Cruella, I have very little interest in. It looks very silly, um, and it's just not really where I'm at in my life right now. But, like, yeah, lady bad guys can be antiheroes and interesting and cool. And and normally, you know, you know, one of the many dated sexist tropes is, like, the woman as the indication of virtue and sanctity or whatever, you know, to be protected. And, and, and like, maybe having, like, an evil murderer lady be the antihero at the very least would, you know, give us some, some sort of grit against the comparatively smooth genre worship that we get everywhere else in this film. Well, then that's why I'm just going to say my MVP is Carolyn Fry. Cause I think she is exactly that. She's not the muscle bound antihero, but she is the captain of a ship who wants to kill everyone on board who then, who also isn't the captain of the ship. The captain's dead, and she is just the person that takes over. And she learns by the end of the movie to kill herself, but also become the one that can make orders, be the leader, be a strong person, and be the person that she tried to be and couldn't earlier in the movie. So she's, I think, the strongest character and sort of that same person you're talking about. She doesn't have to be like, that's why Wonder Woman and all these, and Corella, these newer movies are like, we have to, and like, and then on the other side of that, the, you know, like the, pro, what was the Promising Young Women's and, things like that where it's either has to be a very confusing bad woman but we still empathize with her which doesn't always work or the just bad woman or it's like this is just a character who's a woman who's fucking has to overcome this terrible thing that she's done and i really i really loved her character i'm sad she's dead but she she was like the main reason why i watched this movie with her death i mean i'm not asking what's next at that point she's dead yeah um, so interestingly, David Twohey, and I'm just sort of guessing at the pronunciation of his name because it is sort of unique, T-W-O-H-Y, he worked on Alien 3. He wrote one of the billion um, uh, drafts of that movie. So it's the space prison idea that weirdly he's like, let's get a guy from the space prison but not 
the space prison. Uh, that that's where Riddick emerged from. So there is some you know cross franchise pollination going on, and also you know uh, just terrible monster CGI, which was you know we were talking about Alien and Aliens, but the most like the actual real comparison is to Alien Three, which is the biggest letdown of that movie is just the the shitty alien that isn't scary and doesn't feel real. Yeah, I love that movie, but you have to really swallow yeah, that part with a big do. grain of salt. You just have to take okay, it. Okay, so Riddick syndrome, or it, it's when someone can only see things while they are moving. Dr. George Riddick identified it in 1917. Dissociation of visual perceptions due to ocu- occipital injuries with a special reference to appreciation of movement. So there is a bit of a medical thing going on in the name. <laughs> Pretty cool. That is very cool. Does that bump it up from uh, nope. asking to nope. not ask? Nope. Okay. What about the scene where uh, he picks up a bone and goes, blind spot, and then later in the movie, doesn't, stands directly doesn't really in front of the alien. Anything. Here, okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, like they think of like, oh, he found a way, like a, the Achilles heel of the alien, <laughs> and the visual representation of that is him standing and doing a weird syncopated dance with the alien. It's not cool at all. No, it like, it's like, oh. And then he's right, immediately well. seen by another alien, and then it's just like, oh, well, why did we just have to sit through that? That was really boring, and then also it was completely ineffective. Basically, that scene encapsulates this entire movie. Okay, so the, in the original version of the script, it was called Nightfall, starring uh, I the knew female it. outlaw Tara Krieg, as an interstellar barbarian with like magical tattoos, and that have shit you, sounds fucking awesome. Have and you this read sucks. the book, the the Asimov short story? What uh, Night, no Nightfall? Um, it's Never. about a planet where every two thousand years it falls apart because it's a planet of daylight all the time, and then every two thousand years all the suns set at the same time, and you experience darkness. And it's about a culture that is allowed to like re-evolve and rebuild itself to the point where it forgets why it crumbled in the beginning and then it has to experience it again in a cyclical way. And I was like, oh, this is basically going to be cool like Nightfall meets Alien and then it was neither of those things. Right. But I wonder if they didn't even have to like credit Asimov because this basically is that same idea of a planet that has so many suns it's always in 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 daylight. And, and again, it's like another cool idea that just feels like it's used as a plot element and not like, oh, I'm so fa- that's fascinating. Let's learn more about that. And it's like yeah. not really. And it's also like everything else, uh, an idea that they just stole from somebody else who did it better. Yeah. Um. So this was shot at the same location as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, continuing the cross franchise pollination cool. theme of this movie. I think I like this movie more than Thunderdome. You've mentioned not liking Thunderdome. I'm going to pe- reserve judgment until I rewatch it. It has been such a long time. Yeah. So they were going to kill Riddick off originally, but everyone on set was like, this Riddick guy has got a certain je ne sais quoi. So that's why. That is the know, beauty of a movie from 2000, where they're not even attempting to franchise at that point. They're like, let's just not kill him and we'll go from there. Yeah. Like nowadays, can you imagine just like making a movie? Like most movies are like, well, we have to keep him alive just in case this is good and we can make another one. You know, so you gave your MVP to Radha Mitchell for Fry. I'm going to yeah, give yeah. mine to Keith David for the Hell leader yeah. of the, the Muslim entourage because Keith David's the best. He's the best. He's the best. He's got like, a great little he, beard in this movie. The, the script is unforgivingly shitty to him in this movie. Like, I really wish he had more to do, and I really wish we learned more about him. And I think his exchanges with Riddick are probably, you know, some of the more compelling parts of the movie. I love a Keith David and the fact that he's such a forgiving actor. You think about his role in like the thing or something where he's just like, you know, 
really overarching presence and this sort of like, you know, lurking menace. And it's so exciting. And uh, in this movie, he really is, you know, comparatively backseated to the action. Yeah. But uh, I love Keith David. He makes everything a little bit better. Yeah, I, I love that. I think it's a great pick because his scenes, I think, really picked out a lot. And he was the one like he talked to Riddick about God and all that shit. But I think also Riddick turned it back on him being like, well, you just led these boys to their death for probably no reason. How do you feel about that? And yeah, he's like, his character isn't perfect either. And I think all of them have these like, you know, some of them are not really that developed as others, but I think each character in this movie does have um, just like, you know, a complicated relationships with themselves and how that interplays. And I think, it wasn't done very well for most of it, but I see what they were trying to do, and I'm excited to see if they can pick it up. Are they? Is anyone from this movie? Um, David directs all of them, correct? Toei, I believe Tui? so. Yeah, I think uh, old Toei does the <laughs> rest of them. How you pronounce it, Toei? Yes, he does the Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick and uh, Riddick Four Furia. So what's interesting is that. Um, Pitch Black was written by the Wheat Brothers um, based on, a, or no, sorry, with his his screenplay, but it, he adapted their story. And then David takes over writing full time all by himself for the next two. So I wonder, maybe the Wheats are the problem here. And maybe David read their screenplay and was like, oh, there's something here and I can't wait to play with it more. That's sort of why I'm, at. I'm not I'm not asking yet because I do see that there's some promise here. Well, my, 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 my concern is more the idea that I don't really understand. Like, they've left this extremely localized problem on this planet. We know extraordinarily little about the rest of this world. So I'm not like filled with like, ooh, or we're finally going to see this or we're going to get to the bottom of that. It's more like, oh, I guess we'll just have to but yeah. completely carve out a new thing and that's not as that that to me is like a, a franchise to me is like we're going to develop this world. And right now I know almost nothing about this world by the end of a two hour long movie. I'm going to compare this um, just to you brought up Vin Diesel earlier in, in his, you know, his transformation from a lowly DVD thief to a god. And I think if you if you rewatch Fast and the Furious one, two and three, like you do not know that that's going to happen. Well, he's not in two of those movies. I know. That's what I'm saying is like. You do not know that by the time Fast Five comes out, things are going to be this different in the franchise. And I think that's what this the, the franchise has at its best. The hopeful, like this hope that you can take something very small and something that maybe wasn't fleshed out that well. And rather than be like, well, there's nothing to really do in this world, have someone go, oh, but there is something to do in this world. Yeah, but he's already like... The super cool badass guy. So now I'm assuming there will be prequel elements of whatever comes next where we'll see him get to this height of being a cool bad guy. Oh, wait, really? Oh, I I mean, they have to, right? How do you talk about all this cool prison shit and not show him in prison? You know what I mean? That must happen at some point. Plus, the Chronicles of Riddick makes it sound like there's some kind of... (laughs) What a name. What a terrible name. Honestly, I've never seen it. My guess was uh, this was like the preamble to Riddick as a character that we'd want to watch, not like the animal you know caged beast that murders people but the person that had that as a part of their life survived something traumatic that unfortunately the movie didn't make it very traumatic for us to watch but now has both of those experiences combined to make this new character that i want to chronicle so i'm my guess is that this is going to be 
after the events of one. This isn't going to be like saw shit where we are constantly going back before, but like I'm at a I'm at a point where this is like a preamble. This is the you know whatever the Lord of the Rings opening chapter was concerning hobbits. Well, this is basically concerning Riddick. We got it out of the way, and now we can have some cool sci-fi shit. I, for the sake of all of us, I hope that that's true. Hell yeah. Any final notes you want to make, Charles? Um, I found a, a phone today while I was walking my dog this morning. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe back in my youth 10 years ago, I would have like tried to find a way to steal the phone because I was poor and undervalued and had nothing. But now like, I, this is the second time it's happened. I found a phone. I've tried my best to get it back to them. Both times successful. This was, what's the, is Telegraph? No, tele, what's the like Republican Facebook? Is, is this, a, I don't know. Anyway, like all, like she, this person was getting notification after notification from like QAnon people. So I found a Q Wizards phone out on my walk this morning. I got to really see what it's like to live in that world because it's july 4th i don't know if everyone we didn't say that like this is this is the best day for a patriot hold on what about patriots day no that's not as good as it is like i think the patriots need like a day to you know come together find themselves prepare themselves for the journey that comes to like go from patriots day to the next july 4th they need that like a sense sort of like how easter and i know you might not get this reference but like the way Easter and Christmas sort of mirror each other. You sort of need the Easter to get to the Christmas, if you know what I mean. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So, but just like, this is the day. You get your hot dogs and burgers out. You get your American flags. You get to drink a shitload of beer and talk about blowing up other countries. Like, this is your day. And it was really amazing this morning to, like, just read message after message about vaccination. Like, they, it's, these, these are the people involved in boycotting a vax bus. Like it was, it was really amazing to like be let behind the curtain. Oh, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, it's certainly a horrifying and all-encompassing worldview that has had a disproportionate impact on our fragile nation. So I'm jealous. That's a cool insight. Yeah, unfortunately, I just gave the phone back. I just, I just said, "Yep, it's in my mailbox." Did you, okay, so you, you sort of delivered it to uh, its owner. Well, they had to. I made them come get it. They had to oh, fair in. enough. Yeah, I wasn't going to. So they know your address now. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm about to move. You know, I'm two weeks. I did think about that, but two weeks away, I'm not going to be living there anymore. So, yeah, probably in the clear. Well, uh, a happy July 5th, everybody. Uh, join us as we open up the Chronicles. Are we doing the short film next? We are doing the short next? film. Yeah, it's okay. a Dark Fury, a 30 minute. I mean, they both were released the same week, but I figure because one of them was technically came out three days later, but it was. It is. It takes place chronologically before the Chronicles of Riddick, so we should just watch that next. It's only thirty-five minutes. Um, hopefully, we can find enough to talk about to have an episode about a thirty-five minute. Well, well animated we so DVD rarely short do film. animated stuff, so uh, I'm excited. It looks weird, dude. It looks like it, I'm sure. Yeah, it does. The, it doesn't look like a typical. Like it looks. Well, weird, I mean, this so. is like must be relatively uh, close to. Uh, the animatrix and shit when this uh-huh. was really in yeah. vogue so yeah, exactly so it'll be fun yeah all right join us next week for more and drink water